Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. Joined here with my co-host Wheeler today. We have a really, really fun podcast ahead of us. We are breaking down the week two victory over San Jose State. Not exactly the most convincing win of all time, but it's mostly, you know, still seeing some growing pains from the quarterback position and some of the other guys kind of starting to get their feet under them a little bit. So Wheeler, let's just jump right into it. Obviously, the most pressing matter is the quarterbacks uh, last week against Mercer. We kind of thought that Robbie Ashford was looking to be a guy that could become potentially become the starter. He really kind of didn't really didn't really do much against San Jose State that really helped this case in that in that sense. So just kind of give us your overview of your view of the quarterback room from just the San Jose State game and where you're looking at for this upcoming week. First thing is the toxicity of Auburn fans of wanting to cheer every time that Robbie Ashford runs out onto the field. And it literally, I'm just like, guys, y'all, all of the people that are the people that are cheering when Robbie runs out onto the field were the people that booed Bo running out on the field last year so that TJ could come out onto the field. You probably know literally nothing about football. You probably are just like, oh, the backup quarterback's better, and there's a conspiracy at Auburn that Brian Harson wants to put the worst quarterback out there because he doesn't have millions of dollars on the line. You, it's so ridiculous. Do not know why in the world we're going to cheer when the backup quarterback comes in every single time. Like, yeah, I'm happy to see Robbie out there. I think that Robbie has the electric you know, running ability, which is great. Like, it's very helpful to the team. He is a member of the team. I'm going to support him. But I'm also not going to dog TJ every time he runs out there. Like, it just it, it doesn't make any sense to me why they always want to cheer when the backup quarterback comes in. Like, we've got the Heisman Trophy winner sitting on the bench because Harson just, I don't know, he doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to win. He wants to lose. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of in a in a similar boat. It seems like it, it seems like in the past couple of years, the best player has always been on the bench, you know. And it's not even just at the quarterback position. It seems to be that speculation arises in multiple different positions. And I think that there's just a massive distrust of the coaching staff of believing that the guy that's starting is the best player. But just a, some numbers, just real quick. T.J. Finley went 13 of 20 for 167 yards, 8.4 yards per pass, zero touchdowns, and one interception with a QBR of 56.2, which is not ideal, but Robbie Ashford Ashford had a 
one for three stat line for one passing yard and one interception and a QBR of 2.5. So neither one of those guys was a real exceptional stat line. But, Wheeler, what were your thoughts about how T.J. Finley was able to come back from his interception and look arguably serviceable in the second half? I thought he was serviceable because Harson realized that it was being ridiculous to even try and throw the ball with how bad they were playing and that he just needed to get out of there with a win. Like, he did not want to become Texas A&M because you know what the difference in the Auburn game and the Texas A&M game was? And there was only one major difference that I noticed is Jimbo Fisher ran his vanilla offense and was still running the same plays that were not working over and over and over again. And just kept going three and out, three and out, three and out because he was so hard-headed that they were more talented than Appalachian State that he couldn't believe they were losing. Whereas Brian Harson quickly realized after both of his quarterbacks went out there, he went into halftime and said, you know what? We got to win the football game. And to win the football game, we're just going to shove it down their throat. We're just going to run the football because we are able to just decide it's time to run the ball. Thank goodness, because I don't think they're going to be able to do that against a lot of teams. But he recognized this is what we can do. So the quarterbacks didn't have a great stat line because Horson said, I want to win the football game. I don't necessarily care what the QBR is of both of my quarterbacks coming out of this game. Um, By the same token, so going back to talking about the quarterbacks, it seems to me that your issue is Robbie also fumbled the ball. So everybody, you know, says, oh, Robbie always keeps it on the read option. Does he really? Is that really a read option? Because I remember when Nick Marshall was here, there were a lot of plays that people thought were read options that were not reads at all because he had ball security problems. So they would call quarterback run and they would call running back run. And so, yeah, they like had the like look of a mesh point, but there was no like actual transference of the ball. Robbie, I think, had one of those and they both fumbled. He fumbled it. So... How many of these calls when Robbie goes out there are even reads? And how many of them are go out athlete, the guys that are playing edge? Because against the last two teams, you could definitely do that. The problem is Penn State is leading like the Big Ten in run defense. Like they're giving up like 81 yards a game rushing. So if you think that they're not just going to sit a guy down and that edge is not just going to sit down and wait on Robbie every time he comes in the game, like that's what's going to happen. So this game, we're going to see if Robbie's going to be a contributor this season because of ball security issues. Because if he can't actually read the defense and you have to just call it this or that, or every time he comes in the game, he keeps the ball and he runs the ball, that's just not going to work. Like, he's a great athlete, but everybody in the SEC is a great athlete. The DBs are great athletes, the linebackers, the edge. Like, if they know what's coming, nine times out of ten, he is not special enough to do something when they know it's coming. Like, he's just not. The only person that I've seen so far this season that can, when everybody knows what's coming, just beat him is Bryce Young. He did it to Auburn last year, drove 99 yards. Everybody knew it was coming. Bryce was going to throw the football. He sat back there, he threw the ball, okay? He won the Heisman Trophy because when you are able to just do whatever you want when everybody knows what's coming, you win the Heisman Trophy. Because that's not how football works. Um, so, I I mean, goodness, I hope that he's able to run the read. I hope that he's able to throw the ball. But it, after seeing how TJ's playing, 
I'm just going to go by process of elimination that he can't throw the ball and he can't run the read because he'd be the starter if he could. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I do think I would be interested to see the percentage of design runs that Robbie does have because obviously some of them do have the – I mean, obviously you're going to have the look of a read option, but a lot of those plays it was just – like the, the one that he had that long run on, I think it was the 30-yard the run, it was literally wide open on the end. So I think that even if that was – that's almost the one where it's like, Almost if it's a design run, you almost just improvise and just take it yourself because it's so open. So I, I'll be interested to see. And I think we'll find out in the next coming weeks if that's just Robbie making the right read or if it's Keesaw calling the right play at the right time. So I, I do agree with you that we'll see. I think that this is a really important week for Robbie to see what his role in the offense can be. Because I think if he is still doing the same thing against a team like Penn State that he was against other two teams, he still has a shot to become more of a actual quarterback in this offense. I just think that if he if he's really losing his reps, if he's not really you know winning winning any of his any of his plays, it might become that 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 decides the whole quote unquote two two QB system, and it'll just have TJ kind of stepping into that role as long as TJ can, you know, refrain from turning the ball over, which that leads me to my next question. How confident are you in a zero turnover game from the quarterback position? Zero percent. <laughs> I mean, right now I'm zero percent confident. We're negative we're four in turnovers on the season, and we've played two trash football teams. So nothing leads me to confidence that playing one of the better defenses in college football that we're going to just not have any turnovers. And the whole thing of, well, we had a bad week in practice last week. Buddy, you don't just start throwing interceptions because you had one bad week of practice. This is a chronic. Every single scrimmage, there were multiple interceptions thrown. Every single game, there were multiple interceptions thrown. Robbie fumbled the ball in scrimmages. Robbie fumbled the ball in games. Like, these were not just one-off things that it was the first time that they've ever seen them, and they can just clean them up in a week. Like, this is who we are. We're going to fumble the ball. We're going to get interceptions. It, it's a sad thing. I'm really low on the team right now. I really am. I think that the offense is garbage. I think it is hot garbage. I mean, I think the offensive line is doing fine. I think that the receivers, I think a lot of positions are doing fine. I think that the quarterback position is so poor that they are dragging everyone else down. I, I mean, I'm so serious with it, too. Like, everyone else has been serviceable. Everybody else has played fine. The receivers have not had bad games. They've been open. They've just gotten missed. A lot of the interceptions, the receiver was open, and they just missed the receiver and threw it to the other team. Or they threw it into triple coverage when there was another guy open. You cannot triple cover someone and someone else not be open. Like There's not enough players on the field to do that. Like The math does not work out that you can do that. So, it, oh, the quarterback position is so bad. It is literally so abysmal and so difficult to watch. Um, and then, I mean, not to be the... I want to know what happened to Zach Calzada. Like, what is... The, how did this man just disappear? How did he go from being a just-fine quarterback? Because we said all offseason, if TJ wins the job, that means that he's gotten a lot better than where he was last year because we've seen Zach in a game and we know how he can manage a game. Well, he's not playing, and TJ looks 
just as bad, if not worse, than last year. I mean, it's so, so hard to watch this guy. It's worse because last year he was hurt. Last year you could say, oh, he wasn't prepared. He was the backup quarterback. No, this is, he had the entire offseason to prepare. He does look a little bit more mobile. I'll give him that. But when he runs his vision, there was that one play where he was trying to go for the first down and he just ran like there wasn't a DB coming to hit him and the guy just cut his legs out from under him, didn't make a move or anything. I've never seen in my life just a guy not make a move and yet just throttled. The problem on that play to me was that if literally, if he just cut up field, he would have gotten the first down and, and some extra yardage. But the fact that he just kept running toward the edge and you're just watching it and you're like, He's not getting this. Turn up no. field, turn up field, turn up field. And he just didn't. Gets his legs cut out from under him and then just falls down like a giant baby giraffe. Yeah, and uh, we saw on the goal line that he does have the size that if he cuts up field, I'm not going to say he's Cam Newton. But in the same way that Cam Newton was just like the physics of it, mass times acceleration. Okay, he's more massive than the defensive back that's trying to take him down. He's going to fall forward most of the time unless there's just a dog on defense that stands him up. Okay, that guy, probably not going to stand him up on a random third quarter going for the first down. I don't know. It's if, a San Jose, if a San Jose State quarterback can stand up someone who's 6'7", 240 pounds, you're just he's like, going to well, the league. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some strength right there. So, I, I do agree. I think that the, the quarterback position is just continues to be a massive question mark. Zach Calzada did receive legitimate reps in practice this week. So, we'll see if he gets more of a look. But he got, he received more reps in practice this week than he has the past two weeks. So, I think that's worth saying something. Um, but I, I still think that the quarterbacks are still something you just got to wait and – I just don't know how much better it can get. Well, here's the thing. If Zach Calzada can just not turn the ball over, that's better than what we have now because neither one of them have been good. Robbie's been good running, but neither one of them have had good good games throwing the ball outside of their turnovers. Like This isn't a Brett Favre situation where they're throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Like Both of them had no touchdowns and interceptions. It was, it was hard to watch. Uh, literally, I was just like, "This is this is one of the worst games. This is so hard to watch," because San Jose State was it wasn't it, Georgia Southern last year played a really good game. Like they had a good plan, they were playing well. This year, this was just so bad by the quarterback position. Even Harson said those interceptions were just awful. I mean, there there was no other way to say it. Like, they weren't just good plays by the DB. They were awful, awful passes. And I, I, I can that, see why Zach would get reps because if you can find somebody that can go out there and just not turn the ball over, you're winning. Yeah, and I think the difference in this week in the Georgia State game was Georgia State, defensively, you didn't have – you know, you didn't really have your linebackers, so it was – I mean, because that was just – because that was the game. Owen was hurt, and Jacoby was suspended for the first half after the targeting call. So, the reason that we were just getting torched by that white dude that literally had more yards against us than he did in his entire career at Georgia State, like a fifth-year senior, 
the reason he was torturing us, we could point to something. Offensively, the whole team just played bad. It, it was much more of a, the team sucked this game. Whereas this game was much more just like, no, they look fine. It's just the quarterbacks are preventing us from doing anything. And really, the defense looked really stout at the beginning of the game. And then there was just a time where you were just like, these guys have been on the field for probably 12 minutes straight. After the, the offense gets the ball and throws a pick on the second play of the drive, you're just like, the defense just really was on the field so much. The halftime time of possession difference, I think they had 20 minutes, we had 10, which is just absurd. But speaking of defense, the there's a lot of a lot of concern about Auburn's defensive backs and kind of how all that's working. Do you think that the defensive backs are a concern, and how are you feeling about the defense kind of as we start turning the corner into a bigger part of the schedule? Um, I think that the defense is playing within the game plan, and I just don't think that the current game plan is to stop every single drive on three and out necessarily. I mean, like, you're never going to say, no, we don't want to get stops. But the calls that you're making are not going to be the most aggressive. They're playing Ben Don't Break. And that's that's the way that they want to play it right now. Um, and I'm I'm not opposed to it necessarily. Because think about it. We haven't given up the big play. And you can watch the DBs and see why we're not giving up the big play. Because we play a lot of off. We play a lot of zone. Um, when it gets down into towards, you know, 30, 20, getting down towards the red zone, they start locking up man and they stop them and that's just what they're playing right now they're playing don't get beat deep make this team drive the length of the field and make them make whatever 10 12 plays in a row without making a mistake and that's a good i mean that's a good strategy because a lot of teams are not going to be able to do that many drives now here's where the issue becomes is when your offense is so putrid that they're running one to two plays on multiple drives in a row, then the other team is getting so many more plays that Ben don't break gives up a lot of field goals. So your offense has to be halfway decent and hold on to the ball just for a little while for that style of play to work. So will we see a difference in the defense? We might see a different defense if in multiple games in a row, the offense is still so horrendous that they cannot stay on the field. They can't get a first down. Because then you're, I mean, you got to get off the field at some point. But that's the strategy right now is to say, you know what? We don't believe that a lot of college football teams can just drive the length of the field, not making mistakes. And so that's what we're going to do. We, again, did not run a lot of pressures in these games. And you're not typically going to run pressures against these teams because they're playing, you know, small ball. They're running short slants, quick curls, out routes all that kind of stuff to get the ball out of their quarterback's hand quickly. Um, so, no, I don't even think we've seen the full breadth of the defense. I think you're going to see a lot more blitzes get called this game, especially with Sean Clifford, who holds on to the ball like TJ does. Um, but, you know, I mean, Sean Clifford tore us up last year by not blitzing him. So I would also expect to see them try and bring a little bit of heat this time if he's not getting the, uh, you know, if he's still being so efficient. 
The other thing to keep in mind, though, is the environment's going to be really loud. And in the games that the environment's been really crazy, Auburn's pass rush has been really good. So Georgia last year, the pass rush was actually really good. Like they gave off a couple of long balls just because Georgia had ridiculous receivers. But overall, the defense didn't play that bad against Georgia last year. Same thing with Alabama. Like their tackles couldn't, they had a step slower off the ball. And Eku and Derek uh, Hall, I mean, when they get an extra step on somebody, they're going to make some plays. Um, and they already have. I think that we have one of the highest pass rush, like edge pass rush ratings in the country. So I'm 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 not that worried about the defense. I really think it's been schematically that it's looked worse. And I think that people have in their head that those teams should never move the ball on a team like Auburn. Um, and I just don't think that that's a reasonable expectation, especially when they have 20 minutes of possession and you have 10 minutes of possession because your offense had three turnovers. Um, well, I guess two turnovers, but still. Well, and also when you're playing a bend don't break defense and they're starting their drive at the 30 yard line, like that's like that. There's not much space to bend, you know, without breaking. So I definitely think that that's just kind of a, I mean, they had two goal line situations where you expect your team to get a goal line stand and neither one of those were really, the fault of the defense, I didn't think. So, yeah, I think that the defense was not put in a great situation in this game by the offense. Um, I did think – I was encouraged by the amount of substitutions that were happening with the defense. We saw a lot more guys that we've kind of been hearing about in the offseason from the linebacker position uh, especially as well. Wesley Steiner got – had probably the best game of his career at Auburn. So that was, that was encouraging to see from the linebacker perspective that we're not just – hopeless if Owen Papo goes down. So I, I was encouraged by some things. I thought the defensive backs, you started seeing some more guys, and that's something you're going to need when you start playing more quality teams. Um, and I, I really do disagree with you. I just think that it's kind of a kind – of, we'll see what this defense is made up next week when they're playing a team that they are playing. You know, it, it seems like they're just trying to get through the week when we played Mercer and San Jose State. This is a game where the defense is trying to make an impact and trying to win the game because there are severe doubts that our offense can win this game by itself. I totally agree. But uh no, I'm I'm not concerned about the defense. I'm really not concerned about the offense other than the fact that the quarterbacks are just so bad. I I would be I'm really interested to know how much that Calzada got to play this week. Uh, like, I wonder if they almost open the quarterback competition back up because, I mean, anybody with two eyes can look at how the how the game was going in these two games and realize <clears throat> neither of those guys are it. Like, if, if those are the guys that you're rolling out there for the rest of the season, you're not going to a bowl game. Like, if they play like they did in the past two weeks, that we're not beating Penn State, we're not beating – we're not going to beat Mizzou. Well, we might beat Mizzou. I think we can run on Mizzou. It's going to be tight getting to a bowl game if that's what you're rolling out there. So, Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is rapidly approaching one of the most important weeks in Auburn football history. And, I th- and obviously that's a lofty sentence, but I, I really do think that, that, that this is a massive, massive potential turning point 
for Auburn's future at football. So uh, I, I'm I'm interested. I'm excited to see how it all goes. But we're uh, we're gonna wrap this podcast up, and we're gonna literally start one uh, right after this. So if you're listening to this, the Penn State one should be up as well. So we're just gonna have a Penn State preview as a separate podcast. So. Um, Hopefully everyone enjoys the San Jose State Summary, and thank you all for listening, and War Eagle. War Eagle.